This is Indie Business Podcast, Season 3, Episode 10, Makers on Main Street. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I am your host, mentor, and coach, Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. My goal is to help makers and handmade entrepreneurs build a solid business foundation, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. In this episode, I will introduce you to LaShonda Tyree of The Handmade Soap Coach in Patterson, New Jersey. Before LaShonda opened her studio in Patterson, her business underwent multiple changes and growing pains. She started out making and selling her handmade soap at fairs, markets, and in retail stores, and she still does, but her business has evolved to include other income streams as well. Not only does LaShonda sell the products she makes, but she also teaches others how to make their own products, and she teaches them how to make money teaching people how to make things that they know how to make. In her studio, which opened last year in an up-and-coming area of Patterson, New Jersey, LaShonda hosts events, lots of them. One of her main ones is called the Sip and Soap, where you and your girlfriends can get together for a girl's afternoon or a girl's night out, making your own soap as you sip your favorite beverages. Use your imagination there. (laughs) It's a super fun way to cultivate your artistic side while strengthening relationships. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 34. I'll be right back with LaShonda Tyree of Handmade Soap Coach in Patterson, New Jersey. LaShonda Tyree, the Handmade Soap Coach from Patterson, New Jersey. How are you today? Doing great. How are you, Don Maria? I'm super and so excited to have you. Our Makers on Main Street series would not be complete without telling everyone about your studio up there in Patterson, New Jersey. But before we get to that, LaShonda, let's go back to the beginning. You've been in business for a very long time. Tell us your story. How did you start? And, you know, bring us up to date. Sure. Uh, My journey actually started in the fall of 2001. Uh, I actually went to a bridal shower uh, in the the summertime with a friend and the bride received handmade candles. So I've always been kind of crafty and like to make things, you know, I kind of check things out and see how they're made, if I could probably do it myself. And uh, my friend said, well, you're probably going to go home and try and make that, right? And I said, yeah, you're right. You know me, don't you? And so I went to the craft store, bought the candle supplies. Um, I really liked the little small votive candles, so that was the ones I wanted to make. But I couldn't get them out of the mold without, like, messing them up because I would have to take a knife to kind of get them out. And so I tried that several times. And then one of the times I went back to the craft store, to buy candle supplies, I bought the melt and pour soap making supplies, which is right next to the candle supplies. And my focus still wasn't, you know, it wasn't on the candle, on the soaps, it was on the candle. So I really didn't play with it until, well, maybe another couple failed attempts at the candles. And I said, let me try this soap making thing. And it was great. I mean, it was easy, it was simple. It was basically what it said. You melted and then you added 
the colors and scents and you poured it in the mold and voila, you had soap. Uh, which transformed it into a business was um, I actually gave some to my mom, who was actually probably my first critic. Because <laughs> she was like, what are you doing? And why, for her, it was a mess. Why are you making this mess? Um, but I also gave it to uh, another friend of mine who was very sensitive to fragrances, and she was able to use a lot of the things I made. And so when I got good feedback from my mother, she was like, make me some more soap. And I was like, well, I thought this, you know, you know, was was a mess. And she was like, after I take a bath, I don't itch anymore. And so she was having issues with using mass market soaps. And so I said, okay, well, if these couple of people who are in my immediate circle have been able to benefit from the things that I'm doing, let me check this thing out. And I went on the web. Um, at that time, I think you, Yahoo was, you know, the big deal. Google wasn't really around. And so I joined a few Yahoo groups. And um, there was one main one that was in central New York that was a very chatty group. You know, they shared and I just sat back and I read and I was like, okay, so what's this MP and CP and HP? <laughs> it was a whole new language and a whole new lingo. And um, But they were sharing everything. They shared soap making recipes. They shared lotion recipes, lip balm. They were a very sharing community. And so um, I eventually braved up and made the co-process soap and was hooked after seeing that transformation of the raw materials and when you combine the two together that they just actually make something we can use each and every day and so I, that's where it started um i love that <laughs> now and I, I love that because i know my soap making experience was somewhat similar the first time i made it you know i, I knew i was in for something special but i didn't realize how the the way the materials in the in the soapbox transformed it almost felt like it was transforming me at the same time which is something i still have trouble explaining to people right <laughs> yes so you started uh making the soap and then you eventually started selling it right and and that brings us forward several years right lashonda yes so i was working full-time um in the banking industry and i was doing this part-time um just developing a bath and body business um you don't realize it that it's transforming that way because you know you, people start asking you well can you make lotion can you do you have lip balm and then you're like yeah i could do that because you have access to all this wonderful information that people are sharing so you start making those things and so um i eventually started building a body business bath and body business and um then my job, actually, I was involved in a bank merger, and then I was only guaranteed one year of employment due to the merger. And so after the year, uh, I was like, well, you know, let me try and take this unemployment and give it a whirl and see how, you know, how, how, how well can I do on my own as a, as a business, as a full-time business. And of course, it was very challenging because I was doing everything on my own, by myself, I was making the product, I was packaging the product, making the labels, and then actually going, packing the car to go somewhere and sell it because people didn't know who I was. They didn't know what, you know, my company name was Naya, so they didn't know who I was, so I had to go and tell them and let them know that I was there and I was making, you know, some nice, fabulous products for them to try. And so it became a little overwhelming for me um, eventually, probably about three years in. Uh, because I was making the money, but um, 
it was coming in and it was going right back out because you had to, you know, buy new more, more supplies. And so um, I really wasn't seeing where it was. I had money in the bank, you know, left over, like really seeing something in there. So uh, at that point, I kind of had vision of what I was going to do with my business. And so I actually did go back to work for uh, about a year and a half, uh, kind of part time. And then, um, but I didn't want to take a complete break from the business. So I decided to kind of step away and reassess. <laughs> and um, in that reassessment time, I said, well, let me try teaching. And I, cause I had actually went to a business networking event where a woman was, had passed out her flyers about, uh, she was doing some classes at the local community school about forgiveness. So I was like, well, let me check this school out and see, you know, if she's teaching about forgiveness, maybe they might, you know, be interested in a soap making class. And so I looked and I went on their website and I saw that they had um, other crafting kind of classes. They had uh, floral arrangements and cooking classes and, and jewelry making classes. So I figured they probably might be interested, called, made an appointment, met with the program director, and we uh, set up something for the, that fall of that year. So that's where my teaching started to come in. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been a great um, ex experience from that too as well um, because that gave me an opportunity to get out there and teach, but I didn't have anyone really in mom to teach to. And they had the people for me to teach to because they had their people on their mailing list that they sent their catalogs to. And so um, it took me a while uh, after that break that I took to actually get back into making product again to sell. Mm -hmm. I probably started about four years ago. So LaShonda, take us back to the time when you were doing everything. Um, and, and I know you mean everything because I remember, I remember those days. Tell us a little bit about what it was inside of you that kept you going, even though you knew you could go back and get a full-time job if you wanted to, you could, you know, do all kinds of other things. What is it inside of you that kept you going as exhausted as you were and not giving up on the idea of having a business of your own? Wow. Um, I think deep down inside, I it was something that I wanted to really enjoy doing. I really enjoyed making the soaps. I've been making other things and, and doing other things, but um, this was, I enjoyed the industry. I enjoyed the community. Um, and I just enjoyed making the natural skincare products that people can use and um, help people. Mm -hmm. um, when it became kind of tough, it was it was a hard decision to say I wanted to kind of step back from it a little bit, but I knew I had to do it because otherwise I would just I just I was on the brink of frazzles. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think all entrepreneurs understand the brink of frazzled. Frazzled, <laughs> and um, and but I but I knew that if I didn't kind of stay in the industry a little bit, because I, I didn't leave it completely when I started the teaching, that kept me connected. And um, I think if I didn't have that connection, then I probably would have stopped making bath and body products and I also probably would have picked up some other type of a business or habit you know making jewelry or something like that but um, I knew I wanted to work for myself I really didn't want to go back to corporate I didn't really care for the corporate culture environment um, 
especially when you go through a bank a, a merger i don't care if it's a bank merger or any company that's probably merging you see a lot and you probably see more than you want to see <laughs> and so um the corporate dynamic is just crazy and i think it's even getting crazier in this day and age and so i can't even right now imagine going back to working for someone else so i just knew i didn't want to work for anyone anymore awesome that's so exciting and um so bringing us forward to this point i know you opened your studio a couple of years ago but right before you opened your studio you were you were teaching classes at different locations and you were also making and selling soap are those the two businesses that you had before you opened the studio yeah and so you were finding these locations because you didn't have one of your own and when did you get to the point where you thought okay maybe i could actually open a location and so i could be you know in my own space instead of traveling around everywhere what brought you to that decision LaShonda um well what brought me to the decision of being able to actually open my own space was I found that I had started to build um I guess a following a tribe I guess um People who were in my community, they were on my email news. I started to build an email newsletter list. Uh, social media gave me a platform to uh, say hi, here I am. And also, you know, being involved in the professional organizations like Indie Business Network to give me the opportunity to even let other makers in what I do know that I'm here. And then I, you know, if you're starting out, you can come and learn from me as well. Um, so utilizing um, first teaching for other people, like teaching for uh, a holistic learning center in New York called the New York Open Center, uh, the, the, like I said, the Richwood Community School, that's where I started my first classes. Uh, libraries were some opportunities that I had for, for teaching, and that gave me, um, and actually all the way down in D.C., I did... Um, Oh boy, what was the name of that place? <laughs> I forget, but I, I was even asked to come down there and do classes for them. So I started building a following and making sure that uh, when I came in contact with them, that I made sure that they stayed in my network. So I would collect their email addresses and add them to my little MailChimp uh, email campaign so that when, when I send out an email, I can let them know, hey, here's a new class or here's where I'm going to be. And people started signing up, going to my website and actually signing up for the newsletter. So that allowed me to be in contact with people. And so I started wanting to branch out on my own and start teaching my own classes. Of course, you know, you teach your own classes, you make a little more money because you're gonna to have to split the money with the places that you're going to be teaching at. Um, and so I was able through, uh, a relationship with another indie business member, Dawn Fitch of Puka. She was actually, she had a warehouse space and she uh, had some extra space there and she allowed me to utilize that space uh, on the weekends. And um, just as long as it wasn't anything in conflict with what she had to do, uh, I was able to utilize the space. And then um, as things changed in her business, she transformed, well, growth changed, you know, she opened up a boutique so um, things kind of, the dynamics kind of changed. So I was really only able to utilize the space on Sundays because she was open on Saturday. You have a store, you want to be open on Saturday when people are shopping. And so I also had another relationship with a friend 
who um, knew someone that had an arts and crafts boutique in another town. And she was looking to add more things to her calendar uh, for the people that lived in her commu in the community that her business was in. And so she let me have one weekend every month. And for that one weekend every month, I made sure I planned ahead so that people could plan ahead so that they could uh, you know, plan to attend the soap making classes. And then when I started really seeing the classes start to fill up, I said, okay, well, I think, you know, I could take that money that I was paying them and put it somewhere into a studio, if I could find a studio within that range of what I was paying them. And so uh, it, I had actually been looking for about a good year and a half. And, and um, the lady in at the last studio that I was at, she actually told me about the place where I am now. She went to a wedding and at the art factory in Patterson. Now, I live in Patterson, and I didn't even know this place was here. And she told me about it, and I was like, the art factory? Let me look it up. And I looked up, and they actually had studios, artist studio space. And I immediately made an appointment to come and see it. And the price was in my... I, I wasn't sure. You know, it was a little bit more than what I probably wanted to spend. But I took that leap of faith. Um, and said, I think I think I could make this happen. I, and you know, moving out of that comfort zone and taking that leap of leap of faith is so commendable, and and also so much a part of what entrepreneurs do. Congratulations on that. But you know what's so interesting to me about your story, and I'm so glad you shared it in such detail because you started in 2001. That was almost 15 years ago. Yeah. And so you you have been hanging in there for a long time. And you know, 15 years seems like a long time, but really in a lifetime, it's a nice chunk of time, but it's not, you know, it's not forever. But the beautiful part of what you shared, one of them is LaShonda, that you allowed your business to grow organically. You, you took steps toward, you know, your goal one step at a time. It wasn't it doesn't sound like a studio was on your list of things to do five or six years ago. But what was on your list of things to do is to reach people. So you started with the with the locations that already had people there, like the Open Center and the name of the studio you were thinking about in Washington, D.C. That was the first class, right? Yes. Yes. And that was a wonderful location. It's closed now, but it was such a wonderful place. Um, as I know, I taught there a few times as well. So you, you found where the people were, and you booked yourself there. And then you found a local maker, which is so awesome. You got that local connection and that collaboration with another member, which is just so fabulous. You found someone else who had unused space and time that it was available so you could work out a financial arrangement with them and then you saw that that worked and then you could start your own so you constantly kept moving outside of your comfort zone and you constantly kept building as you said your community which is so important to success today let's talk about that for a minute LaShonda I know so many of us you know we have a great product or we have this great service that we're offering and we're all excited and jazzed up but without a community, none of it really matters, right? Tell us what your thoughts are about that. Oh, definitely. I mean, you definitely have to build a community. Um, it, it, if you, I mean, I could say I have a business, but if no one knows, you know, about me or what I'm about or what I'm offering, 
um, then the doors will be closed really quickly. So I definitely have to build a community, try to nurture that community as well. Uh, when students take classes, I definitely, if they send me an email, I can't ignore them, you know, afterwards. I can't, you know, I have to respond back because I'm creating that relationship with them. So hopefully they'll come back for another class because they had a great, a great experience while in my presence or even after my presence. Um, that, that touch through email, I'm still saying, you know, okay, you know, you can do this or this is how you do this. Uh, don't give up. Or try mm -hmm. again kind of thing so you definitely have to uh, build a community because um, and nurture that community as well you can't just leave them out there on right their own. right and I hear so many people talk about that in the sense that they don't have time it takes so much time and I'm I, I always marvel at that because I think some people come into entrepreneurship and this is not their fault it's really the fault of some some of the marketing that we see going on out there, they come into entrepreneurship with this idea of, oh my gosh, I've got this product, or I've got this serve, and it's going to be wonderful. And the internet is so awesome, I can reach millions of people in my bunny slippers. And then, and then they realize it's like, you know, oh my gosh, my product is just as awesome as 5000 other people's products, what am I going to do to set myself apart? And so that reminder about that community and building that tribe, it doesn't matter what kind of business you have, you absolutely have to invest the time to do that. And yeah. if you don't, um, you should probably not try to build a business because your community is your business. Right, they are. Yes, indeed. And so, you know, you're in your studio now. And I've, I haven't been there yet myself, but I've seen the exposed brick and it just looks gorgeous in there. And it, one of the things that you've done that's so popular that I love that I want you to tell everyone about is your sip and soaps. Tell us about those. Ah, sip and soaps. So the sip and soaps came about, <clears throat> I was looking at actually, you know, Groupon and Living Social. I'm kind of like a, I like to buy deals as well. And um, I was seeing these like paint nights pop up and I was like, hmm, wonder if, uh, you know, that might work for soap making. And um, so I started trying it. And, you know, it's a little harder to get people to know about you here, you know, your business initially. So actually I was um, contacted by Living Social first and they came and sat with me and we decided to do a promotion, which I still have, actually, and which is great because it's a different type of marketing. At least for me, it's been great. I think people, people they have different experiences, but for me, the Groupons and the Living Socials have actually been a great exposure because um, it's kind of like reverse marketing. Uh, um, but uh, the Sip and Soap's are great. They're uh, entertainment. I call it kind of like an entertainment. It's a fun night out for sisters, uh, co-workers, I have date nights, um, friends that, that just, they just get together on a regular basis and they like to do different things. Um, it, it's been a, a great combination of the people that have passed through my doors through the sip and soap. And what, uh, do, we, what do we do at a sip and soap? Uh, during the sip and soap, we do the melt and pour soap making. Uh, they actually get to make two bars of soap. I kind of show them some soap samples and give them some ideas. Uh, one of them I actually try to go through with them. I do the first one with them so that they get comfortable with the scenting and the coloring and the mold and how, how to actually uh, make the bar of soap. And then the second one I kind of leave them alone after showing them 
the different things that they can do. And then they also can bring um, bring their own beverage. They can bring wine or beer with them if they want to or whatever they decide. I, actually, Saturday I had a group and they had mimosas because it was in the morning. <laughs> they had a morning sip and soap. And so, um, and during that time, just lulls because the soap has to harden. So they're conversating. And so I've actually had some of them make new friends. And I really haven't had any uh, sip and soap that where no one didn't get along. Like everyone was able to chat and just have a great time. And, and I hear from some of the people that this was great. Like, you know, just overhearing them talking to each other. Oh, thank you so and so for inviting me or telling me about this. Uh, people need a release, I think, from everyday stressful lives of working, and we often don't do creative things, and so this is not too intimidating, you know, it's not too hard, uh, but it also gives them a little time to be social while being creative and having a great time. I love the sound of it, and I really, I feel a road trip coming on. I really, really want to be able to do that one day to go up there and have a sip and soap. And I do think it's a genius marketing move and a fabulous brand. So um, I'm really, really excited to see you do that. So you opened this studio. Now tell me this, LaShonda, um, in addition to classes do you, and, and sip and soaps, do you do any other things there? Like, do you retail your products there? I actually do. Uh, my studio's kind of divided up uh, in uh, somewhat of a third. So the front portion of it it's more like a sitting area, and I have like a little store set up, kind of displayed of the soaps and lotions, and then also have um, a few supplies. So like when students take classes, they might want to buy some supplies. So I do have those also up front. Then I have a little section that's my little my little office or workspace for me. That's my desk and my computer, and then the last portion of it is actually where I make my soaps and as well as do the classes. So you have, okay, let, let's make sure we see a little bit more too about how your business model works because you teach the classes, you have the group events, you sell your soaps, you also teach people how to start a business like yours, right? Uh, I, uh, correct. Well, I teach for a local nonprofit in uh, North Jersey called Rising Tide Capital. Uh, they're based out of Jersey City. Um, they've actually celebrated 10 years of uh, being in business. Um, what they do is they offer a 12-week course for people who are thinking of starting a business or even like myself who was already in business. Because I actually went through the program first, fell in love with the organization and their mission. And uh, when the opportunity came, I was able to train to be a, a trainer, to be an instructor. So, and you also have, um, have you, because I know you've, you've spoken on this topic, because you spoke on this topic on Indy Cruise, how to start uh, making money by teaching classes. Yes. So you have a lot of different things that you are able to offer here. You have, you know, the, the actual product, you have the service, and you have the teaching. And I just, and you've got the community too. So, and I always say, like, once you have a community, and once you have a following of people that trust you, and want to hear from you and, and, and like what you have to offer, you could add almost anything onto that. So I know you probably have some secret stuff you're not going to tell us about, about your future plans. But, you know, just hearing about this is so wonderful. So tell us about your location. Where is it located? How do people get to you? 
um, are you on a main street? Are you on a, on a on a side street? Tell us a little bit about how it looks and how you um, would recommend that other people set up a shop that's similar to yours in their hometown. Okay. Uh, well, my business is located at 468 Totowa Avenue on Patterson, New Jersey. Um, I am in the actual Great Falls District, historical district of Patterson. Patterson was actually the first planned industrialized city in the United States by Alexander Hamilton. And so we have the second largest waterfall in the Northeast, Niagara is first. And um, the power from the falls, uh, they created the mill. So one of the things they wanted to do was stop um, importing from Europe. So that's where the industrialization came in. They wanted to start making things here in the US. So there's tons of mills um, dating back probably to the early 1800s. Um, the building I'm in is actually an old mill building that the owner is repurposing. There are other businesses in this building. Um, underneath me is actually a wallpaper manufacturer. And then there's another business. They make these uh, cloth bags. Um, but there's a lot of vacant space. So one of the things he started to do with his empty space was make the artist studios, which I thought was a fabulous idea. Um, because, like you said, I have exposed brick. <laughs> I have these big factory windows that bring in great light inside my studio. Um, I am located on, well, it's kind of like a side main street in, in Patterson. It's not the main main street, but I am in the in an area that uh, is considered the Great Falls Historical District. Um, actually, the Great Falls has been designated as a national park a few years ago. So they're doing a lot of work to, to, to make it look in actually park rangers and everything. Um, if you're looking to start your own business in your town, just, you know, just look around, I, I would say for unconventional things, because this is not on, I'm not in downtown Patterson. I'm not on the main street of Patterson. I'm actually on a side street. But what I get um, is very unassuming because of course, when people come and they call, and they say, uh, well, I'm at 468, but it looks like it's an abandoned building. And I'm like, yep, that's it, come on in, you know? And so that's part of, I think, the adventure, the excitement that it's kind of like a hidden genesis in a sense. And so, um, but once they get inside, they're like, wow, I love the building because of the history of the building. It's so old, it actually used to be a silk uh, mill. And so, um, so I, I would say look for unconventional. I mean, especially, you know, if you're on Main Street, you're going to probably pay Main Street rent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you're kind of off of Main Street, you, you know, you, you probably will find a better price point so that you can afford it. And I think, I mean, it's raw here. It, it's not the, I mean, I've made my studio look what, and everyone else that has a studio on this floor has actually done great um, to, to make their studio look fabulous. Uh, and I just see the potential of what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the diamond in the rough because it's really still kind of rough. <laughs> and people sometimes have difficulties finding me and I try to put signs and things up. But um, just sometimes just think outside of Bob. Mm -hmm. it, it makes it kind of fun sometimes to... Yeah, yeah it makes it kind of fun sometimes to have to um, hunt around a little bit. Um, um, not too much, but a little bit. And like you said, your building has history and your business has history. So there's a nice compliment there. LaShonda, how do you decide 
what to charge for classes. So there's a lot of people that struggle with this because it's not like you have, well, you do have materials and supplies, but it's really easy to add all that up and you can have a materials fee. But how do you decide how to charge for the information that you're sharing with people who take your classes? Well, you, there's several factors I think that come into play with any time you're pricing anything. Um, but mainly, you know, you, you have experience you have knowledge. Um, you probably, if you were like me, I went to conferences. I attained information, you know, from attending classes, um, of course, books. So you attain all this information. And so it's often hard to find, we don't often value what we know. Um, but I think what, what I did was I kind of just looked around and see, saw what my competitors were charging mm -hmm. and initially it was kind of hard <laughs> to, um, to, to to try and charge for that not that it was hard that, that people wouldn't pay it it was more hard for me <laughs> to think I was worth it in a sense but ah, I see yeah so it, initially I think I kind of uh, lowballed myself and then slowly I started charging more what I was worth um, but which, which is nothing wrong with that. I mean, we go through, that's business. You're going to go through these transitions. And so you'll never probably initially come running out of the gate, you know, ch charging what you, you should charge for yourself. But I mean, I think you should be fair in what you charge. Um, if you have any, you know, type of, like for me, I'm certified soap maker, dance certified soap maker and so um, you know if you do the things that you need to do to train yourself and learn then then know you're, you're worth it you're worth your time <laughs> information and people will also like I said they're going to be in touch with you afterwards so you know put a little value in that as well you know that you know you, you're still accessible um, even though we spent these few hours together you know I'm willing to answer you know maybe three more emails from you or something if you have an issue I'm not you know I'm not leaving you so um, it's really I think for me was self-worth I had to really realize what I was worth initially but I kind of looked around and saw what other soap makers that were teaching what were they charging mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh so it sounds like a combination of different factors it, it, I just I marvel too at the confidence factor which I think all of us uh, deal with as entrepreneurs it's it's sometimes such a wall to push through but once you push through it it's like bricks falling down isn't it it's just it's amazing it, it, often think that people won't pay and then it's, you're really shocked it's yes that they will yes yes so you know those who will will and those who won't won't right can't worry about those who won't no and it's so empowering to get to that point too as a business owner because you know that you have that feeling of, you know, taking another step outside your comfort zone and another step and everything that you've done has seemed, you know, seemed to just fall into place for you. And although it wasn't easy and it wasn't fast, and I think we just can't emphasize enough that, you know, your overnight success takes 14 years. So <laughs> sometimes maybe only 10. But either way, you have really got to be able to understand that your business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, and also, LaShonda, what I'm learning from you and seeing from you is that no matter, again, how much value you have to offer, unless you are really, really putting yourself out there and building that tribe, that value is going to be lost on the world. So we want to make sure that, 
that we encourage people who may, you know, some people think they're shy or they're introverted. And, you know, you have really come out. You have really come out of a shell. Can I say that? Is that okay to say? You have. You have just... Say Yes, because when you were saying, you know, people are shy and introvert, I was raising my hand. That's me. Yes, yes. That's me. <laughs> yes, but look what you've done. Look what you've accomplished. Look what you have. And not just your business, but also yourself personally. You're working with Rising Tide to mentor other entrepreneurs. And, you know, this is possible for anyone. So your journey will be different from LaShonda's. It will be different from mine and everyone else's. But there's some things that are the same. And one of them is coming out of yourself, coming out from behind that laptop that you probably sit at too much or that soap pot that you're stirring all the time, whatever your maker pot is. Um, come out from behind that and join the community and build your own community. LaShonda, give us your address and your phone number so we can... Uh, learn how we can visit you. Give us that little secret uh, recipe to get to your location and then tell us where we can find you online. Uh, my street address is 468 Totowa Avenue, Suite 3K in Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, my phone number is 973-531-7455. On the web, you can reach me at handmade soapcoach.com and you are accessible in Patterson by public transportation right yes you can actually um, take the if you're in New York you can take the train we have a train station right here in Patterson and as well as um, the bus terminal is in Patterson as well so there you go so you can drive you can take the bus you can take the train you can fly <laughs> Just make sure you get there, everyone, right? If you want to learn how to make soap, LaShonda at the Soap Coach in Patterson, New Jersey is a great place to do that. And if you have friends who are interested, likewise, make sure you get to a sip and soap. She just started these not too long ago, but I have a prediction. These are going to be big. So, um, and, and, you know, you got to go to Patterson, New Jersey to get them, at least for now. So <laughs> make sure you check that out. LaShonda, thank you so much for joining and thank you for sharing your story. It's so inspiring. And we all see in you the possibilities that we have to go from where we are to where we want to be as we pursue our passion one step at a time. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you, Donna Maria, for having me. All right, we'll see you soon. And we'll actually see you on Indie Cruise. Can't wait for that. No, I'm going to see you in a, in, a, um, in September, Connection Day. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be great. Maybe you can sneak over to Patterson and come to my studio. <laughs> oh, we might have to have a sip and soap at Connection Day. Okay, don't get me started. Don't get me started. We might have to talk about that later. But thank you so much, LaShonda. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Don Maria. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with LaShonda Tyree of Handmade Soap Coach in Patterson, New Jersey. And if you did, why don't you send me some Twitter love? Just go to IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash love, and you can let your friends know that you enjoy the Indie Business Podcast. I really want to make it useful for you. And if I'm successful, please let me know by sharing. And you know, if I can improve this podcast in any way, let me know. There's a contact link at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash contact, and you can share whatever you'd like me to know 
What's your feedback? Who would you like to see us interview? And what future topics would you like me to cover on Indie Business Podcast? I'll see you on the next episode of the Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love.